So welcome everyone. Um, this is my favorite part of the show where I do the welcome message to another episode of um, B2B Weekly, where a show where Nemanja and I discuss everything related to B2B from both sales, marketing, uh, founding perspective. Um, we are both running uh, marketing companies and we do different things, but we're still in the trenches and everything we talk about is things that we're actually doing on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Um, so we do usually a few minutes of discussion first and then we do a bit of Q&A. So if you have any questions regarding B2B, if you're a marketer or a sales, if you're dealing with something right now that's a challenge and that you'd like us to um, get, our th- get our thoughts on, uh, please leave them in the comments. We'll get to them as soon as possible. And we are live on LinkedIn, Facebook, multiple different platforms. And we'll record this and put it on a podcast. Um, so, Nemanja, welcome everyone to another episode. I'm excited to see you again. Yeah, excited to see you, brother, as well. Uh, it's been a it's been a week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I want to get us started with something that um, has been top of mind uh, for me lately, uh, which is uh, employer branding. So, how are you to get more people involved from a company creating content on LinkedIn? Um, or the across social media platforms and how do we go from you know the personal branding of the CEO which is what my agency kind of focuses on to utilizing multiple people that are in leadership or that are in your team as you know content creators inbound drivers distribution channels and how are you involving those people um, one of the things before we kind of get started on that is I know that you guys won or were selected as one of the best personal branding agencies uh, right now. And one of the things that I think you guys did really well is that you have multiple t- people involved in your team uh, creating content. So I- I'd love to hear a bit more about uh, what's the process on that, uh, what's working, what's not working, and how can more companies start implementing and involving more people as content creators? Yeah, it's a, it's a good topic, one of my favorites. Uh, and also we are right now, I think, finishing with uh, it, overall, it's going to be B2B accelerator, but focus on LinkedIn. Uh, so we are finishing with that. We'll talk about, about that more in the, in the next weeks, months. But uh, anyway, one of, the, one of the parts of that is also employer branding. And uh, I mean, it's connected to the, to the personal branding as well. And um, what's interesting here is that you got to start from, from the company let's say from the CEO or the founder, mostly it's the founder. It doesn't matter if he's a CEO or not, but this is where actually the, the culture kind of starts. Uh, and um, it sets up the value, the culture. And as he brings uh, a couple of people that are coming to the company first, it starts to build. Uh, and it all depends. Do you want to have the same kind of people as the founder is, or you want to have different kind of people and have diversity uh, when it comes to, I don't know, when it comes to nationality, when it comes to race, when it comes to demographics, when it comes to all kinds of different things. Now when we are working remote, those are like real options for, for most of the companies. And this is where you start. And to be able to do that and kind of hire the right people with the right mindset, people that are, um, already aware of, uh, of the, the 
day and age in which we are living and uh, the importance of the personal brand, the importance of online presence. Basically, they need to create um, EVP. Uh, that's a document that company uh, creates when they say what are their values, what do they value in their employees, how do they treat them, like all those kind of stuff. Uh, I don't want to get into that because uh, there are some details that I don't know. A lot of them I know, but uh, so that's the first step. So you need to uh, to have uh, your own sheet figured out before you start uh, hiring other people and before you actually go ahead and, and do some of those things. And um, the other option is that you are already a company that exists for 10 years, for 15 years, and you have people who um, who worked in sales, in marketing, uh, overall in B2B or in any other business uh, without being present on social media. They have done business the other way. It's not the wrong way. It's the way it has been done in the past. And a lot of them are aware of what's going on, how it's going, but it's hard for them to kind of make the transition and to start doing those things. Uh, so let's focus uh, on the second one. I think it's the most uh, relatable one to, to the people who are listening. Um, and uh, okay, so when you already have a team inside the company, you need to figure out first like what you want out of the platform. Let's say on LinkedIn, what you want to go over there, who are the people that you are going after, and um, who are the people that will carry out the strategy. Um, what do I mean by that? You, you always have in every company, you have people who are in love with their job, who are in love with the company, who are passionate about, about marketing, about sales, depending on what do they do, even accounting, let's say somebody can be passionate about it. Uh, but uh, so you need to use those people first as the fire starters. So they are most likely to kind of, they're probably already posting some things like, Ah, we did this today. I'm proud that my company did this. Like uh, my CEO just announced that, you know, those kind of things. And uh, you get them all in a hub. I like to call a hub. It's a, it's, it can be just a common group of any communication channel that the company is using. When we kind of explain them those things that we mentioned. So goals, uh, strategy, not only on the company level, but also on the level of uh, their personal profiles. So it's like, let's say the CEO wants to talk about leadership, looking for investments, um, I don't know, quarterly goals, that's those kind of things, experience, CEO about operations, uh, about building a business, um, I don't know, head of content about content, those kind of things. Um, and based on that, they have different target groups or have, they have the same target group, but they go in it from a, from a little bit different perspective. Uh, and when you come up with all that, basically they have the framework. Then you just need to teach them in most cases how to write. That's <laughs> the most difficult part, but there are templates for everything. And uh, I mean, uh, what, what we do is we get people to kind of start using templates and kind of start posting and then just share the post inside the hub inside the company. So not on LinkedIn right away. And then we inspire others to come up and uh, kind of give them feedback. 
So uh, they know when the post is okay to go out and when they already gave them back inside the hub, they will do that uh, as well on, on LinkedIn and it creates the first traction. And then it goes, it depends if the post is good or not. And the hub um, also, uh, the important stuff of it is education. Why personal branding is important, how can they use it for themselves also, not for the company. Uh, and you know, those kind of things. And then the others who are not um, very good at writing at first, who are skeptical, then they see, aha, these guys are celebrating their wins inside the hub. So it's not, they're looking on LinkedIn, what's going on. They're looking what's happening with their team inside, inside the company. Then they see, aha, it's working also on LinkedIn. They got the traction, so let, let us try to do this as well. Uh, but there is one thing that I forget what's happening before they start posting and it's engagement. It's easier to get people to kind of start being active before uh, with engagement. Uh, the thing that they can start with is kind of being engaged on the company page. So um, I don't know, I've seen a lot of uh, examples. Some of it, uh, some of those are ours, like uh, the most engaged person gets uh, gets an award. I don't know, the, the HTEC had an uh, example of uh, sending them uh, a dinner. They didn't know that dinner is coming. So they're sending them because they're engaged. Um, I don't know, some other companies had like the most meaningful uh, comments or the most meaningful post, you know, if they're going as they're going deeper, they develop it, but it's basically gamification of of engagement and of um, activity on LinkedIn. And basically that's how it starts, but you need to have among those people who are like the early adopters, let's call them, you need to have somebody from the management. If, if, if it is the CEO or the founder, that's, that's the best option. Yeah, let's even back up a little bit and start with like why that's even important. Well, like let's run the numbers on why this is something that companies should invest in because, I mean, we, you've created the framework to achieve that and, and that is obviously super important. But if they, companies don't believe in this or they don't understand what are the objectives, um, it's hard for a company to make that investment of both time and money, right? Because you're, you're probably paying people like during the working hours to create the content, you're investing a lot of time into it. If you're hiring somebody, an outside partner to help you with this, you're investing a lot of money into that. Uh, so kind of let's back up and think about why this is important. Um, and I think it, it all comes down to numbers, right? Because it, it's, especially on, on LinkedIn, when we're talking LinkedIn, you're able to create this organic reach at a price that would be super undervalued and underpriced if you were going through it with uh, LinkedIn ads, right? Like mm -hmm. the reach that allows you to, create by having five, six, seven, eight, ten, and more people involved, uh, creating content on a daily basis is the, the most underpriced attention that you could probably find some right now online. Uh, so when you're doing that, if companies are spending 50K, 100K a month on LinkedIn ads, they could probably be doing the same thing at a fraction of the cost if they were doing it organically. Um, plus organic content, I think compounds over time and it has a higher trust value than when you're doing LinkedIn pay ads. But in companies that are doing this right, right, like we've seen Gong, we've seen Drift, we're seeing uh, you guys, uh, Banff, 
those agencies are doing this efficiently, I think they're seeing an increase in hires, right? They're becoming a much more attractive employer and attracting uh, a talent for them. I think they're seeing inbound opportunities coming in through uh, the content that they create and the reads that they're generating. And they're doing that at a probably a very high ROI on the investment, right? So if you're able to get five, six, 10 people involved, uh, the more people you get, the more it compounds because then you're playing on the algorithm as well because everybody's engaging with each other. So it's creating a real pot, right? So you're getting that organic reach right away uh, versus going it by yourself and not having anybody engaging with you for six months and trying to do it alone. So I think that when we're going together as a company, it, it raises all boats, right? Um, so that allows for everybody to see results right away there's some accountability levels, there's some uh, compounding efforts as well. Uh, so companies, when they're thinking about whether this strategy makes sense for them or not, I think it comes down to, is there an ROI? And it might not be an ROI right away, but it's probably, like I said, the most underrated value and attention that you can get online right now. Having multiple people create a lot of content in one platform consistently and engage with each other. Yeah, and uh, like one thing that's that's important is that uh, LinkedIn is a platform for B two B for the next ten years. Right. So so basically basically if you if you build your presence now, it's not only for now. It's is for the um, ten years. I mean, it's not it's not a little time, and you can do a little over there. Uh, you can do a lot over there, and it's. When you when you look when we look at the what we are going after what companies are going after it's not only to get more leads to get more inbound leads outbound leads it's also to get uh, more qualified people to work in their companies you know that's that's not a small thing and it's related to the thing that we started talking about uh, EVP and the company and bringing the right people in. I mean, the way you present your company and if you present those people and they are happy in the company, they are telling about why they are happy in the company. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a magnet to get more people like them. Yeah, and I think every founder knows that it's harder to find the right people than to, than to sign new clients. Uh, like we, we tend to think about the main challenge for companies is to hire, is to find new clients when I think eventually you realize that at some point, getting new clients is relatively simple, but how do you fulfill with the right individuals is, is what really matters, right? So it's equally or even more worth it to create that employer branding for new hires than to get just new leads and new opportunities. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's about running numbers, right? If you're getting 10 people creating content on LinkedIn and you're getting, let's say 1500 views per person, that's 15,000 views and impressions per month, per day. If you're doing that five times a week, you're having 70 or 75,000 impressions every week. That's almost a quarter or more per month. If you were to pay that for LinkedIn ads, you'd be spending a lot, a lot of money for that. Uh, plus it just called impressions when you're doing paid ads versus doing warmer impressions where you're doing content creation. 
Um, so even when you just run the numbers, I just think it makes sense, right? Like it, it, it makes sense to do that. And it's a great way to differentiate yourself because very few people are creating content on LinkedIn. Very, even less founders are creating content on LinkedIn. There's like six companies that are having good content creation as a system for the company. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to differentiate yourself um, from even other founders that are growing their personal brands. Yeah, I hope we'll we'll change that with with what we are preparing for the for the near future. Um, yeah. I'm really hoping because uh, there's a gap over there. And it's not a gap when it comes to like building the personal brand and you know those kind of things. But uh, about how companies can 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 structurally do those things, you know. Yeah. And it's it's not an easy an easy task to do. It it it, it depends. It demands um, efforts from both sides. Yeah. What would you say to people that say, okay, that sounds great, and I want my company to do that, uh, but what if? like my employees, your other personal brands, and then they get job offers to get hired somewhere else. Then you support them. Uh, and uh, it's not an end of the relationship. It's it's still a start. And you cannot, we are living in the world when it's, uh, I think the easiest thing ever to become an entrepreneur or a freelancer or to go on your own. And uh, especially now when we are remote, I see people, they, uh, they work in the company, then they go freelance and they charge their services more to the same company because they learn everything that they need. And it's cheaper for the company to pay them more than to hire somebody else. Uh, and those things will happen. And I mean, if somebody leaves out of the company or has to develop something on the side, um, I don't know, let's say, uh, I was working in the agency and I was developing like kind of the idea of funky marketing and the owner supports me. And even if I'm starting my own company, then he should even consider investing in the company Mm -hmm. Uh, because that's how they will grow as well. Not only horizontally, but also vertically. And there are a lot of companies, uh, especially developing companies around here, I think around the world as well. Uh, that that are doing the same thing because if you get two developers in the same room, maybe they make a company. So right. uh, so what you can do, you can find others, but you can also invest in those, and uh, then you have sister companies, and you are the co-owner of their companies, and that's how how you really grow on a much higher level that you can never imagine. And it's yeah. connected to the to the way that you treat your employees, you know, EVP again and culture and everything. No, I think that's key, right? Um, when you um, have that abundance man- mindset of if they leave, we'll find somebody else. And it's good for me to create people that have their own brands because they're going to help drive new people to the company and get new hires and they're going to recommend us. Um, and I think people know that what they... Um, when, when they're in a good situation, they're not going to be able to replicate that that easily. Right? Like if, if somebody works for you and you're helping them grow their personal brand and you're helping them, you know, create content and you're introducing them to this and then somebody offers them $5,000 more a year, do they want to really give up your su- support system and everything you've done for, the, for them for $5,000, right? So I think when you're treating people right, eventually, there's a karma element to it that's going to come back to you. 
and just people don't want to leave when they're for good. Like, I think we tend to think that people are extremely motivated by money. And obviously there's a money factor, but there's other things that motivate people to want to stay at a company. And having support in content creation and personal branding, I think it's it's a big one. Yeah, I mean, um, let me give you an example. Um, there's a lot of traction for developers, highly skilled developers, especially those that have like two, three plus years of experience. I don't want to even mention those that have more. Uh, but you know, somebody that has like four or five years of experience as developer, they're probably interested in some other things. Like they want to lead the team, they want to get involved in the management. So they don't care if you offer them the same amount of money or five five hundred five dollars or euros more. You know, they are more interested in uh, getting involved in some other stuff and, and growing as a, as a person and as a professional. So it comes down to that as well. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I think we're going to see that. But it's easy as a founder to get scared. Just I think just you have to have that abundance mindset uh, to deal with that. Uh, what are some companies you've seen that are doing this right? Obviously, I think you guys are doing it well. Uh, but what are some of the things that other companies you, you found in the space that have done this well? Yeah, I think we are we are uh, still in the beginning and still too small to do to do it right. But we are going with the right mindset. Um, I don't know, there are a lot of companies that are doing good. I mean, uh, when we talk about hub engagement and doing right um, for the employees, I think Gravy is a good example, also connected to the LinkedIn, what we are saying. I mean, those are all just my observations. I have never been in the company, just talk with people uh, from Gravy. Also, I don't know, um, when, I, when I see company uh, employees of the company really like, being excited about what they do about the company, then I guess that something good is going on in there. So that's that's gravy. That's definitely uh, is and was before drift. Yep. Uh, so I don't know, but I don't see that that many companies uh, being like that. I mean, even the the guys who are dominated LinkedIn, I don't see many many uh, employees being excited about the company, sharing about those things talking about, uh, I don't know, uh, the culture or using the way they communicate in the company to kind of uh, communicate on their personal things because it, it becomes um, an infection, you know, a positive right. one. Um, I don't know, do you have maybe some examples that I'm not seeing? No, that, that's why I was asking. Um, and I think this is something that we could potentially help people with because once you do it for a personal brand, then you have to find the structure for the call company, but uh, it's basically the same thing. But th th there, are, there isn't. There isn't many people that do this, right? Which is a shame, because I think it's a big opportunity for, uh, for companies. Yeah, uh, there's also one thing, one thing I noticed. Um, there's a company that we are now working with. Um, they're, I don't know, um, 650, 670 people. Um, they're in these spaces, they're unicorn, like uh, one of top 50 medtech companies. Uh, yep. And you can you can feel the culture when you talk with people. You know, it, uh, it says growth. It mm. says 10x. It says like, we're gonna be the next unicorn, yep. you know? And, and it transfers as they hire new people, everybody gets excited about it. And 
it's kind of good to see because they they started from in the i don't know like uh let's say it's not even a year but maybe 10 months they grew from 200 people to 60 650 wow. and uh you can see that the company people from other companies that are coming because they are buying companies uh and employees uh yeah. outside that as well they all have the same mindset you know because they do also internal marketing inside the company they do some things outside and it's kind of infectious right uh how many um and this kind of switching topics but still staying on the same main area at what point do you think how many people do you think is needed to create a movement within the company is there a number or uh, mm, there better? isn't a, a number but um i've been checking how are doing like the the gong the gravy uh i don't know about drift because when they when they dominated the linkedin they were uh built with a high growth in mind so they hire all uh, a players yeah. and it's kind of a different thing but um I mean, I'm not saying that other companies that right, I mentioned right. aren't, aren't doing that. I just don't know. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, from what I heard, they have around 10 or 11 people who are active every day and uh, around 10 others who are active, not every day, but so-so. So, uh, and if you see how Gong is doing, how Gravy is doing, it seems to be enough. Yeah, I think a minimum of 10, oh, I mean, sorry, a minimum of five is needed. Um, but I think the right range is between 10 and 20. Right? Yeah, uh, when I say like uh, those numbers, I mean to really dominate, dominate yeah, the platform. Yeah, I, I think with five, you start to create a movement. I, I think with five, you start to differentiate yourself. Um, when it gets to 10, 15, I think that's when things get really, really interesting. So if you have a company where 10 people are active every day, you start to build something special. Um, mm -hmm. I think 10, 20 is a good range. Over 20, I think start, things start to get complicated too. Right? Like, I, I think that scale might be hard to manage. And you might need like somebody full-time to do this. Um, but between 10 and 15, I think it's a good middle point where you can start to really dominate your industry. Like, especially if your industry is not just marketing, like if you have a very target, targeted industry, uh, you you can do really nice stuff with 10, 15 people. Uh, like if, if we had 10, 15 people right now, like putting out content every day, we'd be killing it. Like, mm -hmm. Just from us as a company, right? Like if we could, cause you're really not 10X. I think here's where people like, and we can change topics after this, but like, it's not because I'm putting out content almost every day. If we had 10 people, it's not me multiplied by 10. It's me multiplied by 20 because there's a compounding element to it. Like the, there's compounding when like 10 people comment right away on your posts and then adding value. And then I'm commenting on their 10 posts. So it's not just what you're getting with one person multiplied by 10. It's like 2x or 3x what you would be getting. Um, so I think that's where like the really like change happens when you're getting like 10 people commenting on your post right away 
and driving the conversation and not just commenting like something weird, just adding to the conversation and getting people involved. And then if you're getting those 10 people to comment on 10 other people's posts from outside the company every day, now you're engaging with a hundred prospects every single day. Right. So I think it's important to like understand the magnitude of things and not just think that you're just replicating yourself 10 times. It's, it's way more than that. Um, so definitely I'm absolutely interested in like doing this as a trial project with some company of saying, so like some company who's young, who's hungry, who wants to like who double down on LinkedIn and they have like five, 10 people that are super interested into it and they're a good fit. Like I love to do that even fucking pro bono. Like I just love to like manage it for them because it's something that I really want to test out. Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, uh, that's why we we are now finishing the Plunky Accelerator, mm-hmm. which will basically be a little more like um, like startup accelerator. Uh, if we're looking from now, like uh, when people will uh, request to enter it, we'll have a demo day. Then we will choose specific companies that are fit for the program for the accelerator, guide them through it. It's going to be three months. And when they enter, they will already have attraction and they will be able to start doing it on their own. What's the accelerator consist of during the three months? Hmm? I didn't hear. Yeah. What does the accelerator consist in during those three months that they're inside? Are you guys helping them with marketing? What's the, what's the goal? It consists on basically everything. We start from the company goals, from the company targeted accounts, culture, mission, vision, values, everything. Then we move into specific platforms. So if it's B2B and it's B2B, then we move specifically on LinkedIn. Then we go through all those things, optimization of the profiles, everything. We learn them how to, even how to do the search, how to do the outreach as well, not only inbound, basically everything. Everything that you can do on LinkedIn to give you results, we have it uh, inside it. And it's uh, goals are different. It can be from the personal perspective. It can be from the company perspective. It can be just uh, shortening sales cycles. It can be employer branding. It can be some some other stuff. Uh, so a lot. Everything that we do, and I think even more. So yeah. Gotcha. Uh, what do you guys are you think I don't know how like advanced you are on like planning this and putting this together but um, do you know if you're gonna like take equity do you take like a payment what, what's the what's the financial or business model for it uh, still thinking about it uh, we are firstly coming up with uh, with uh, with the program and everything testing it out uh and then we'll we'll see what uh what will we do but i don't know um all the options are open so we'll really want to see how how much capacity do we have right now and uh, like what are we going to do yeah um in relation to that how do you as a founder uh, manage multiple opportunities because i think founders are usually like curious people who see opportunities everywhere uh, how do you manage like multiple projects at the same time or is your advice to like other founders to like focus on their company and just their company uh, or how do you open up like a second business venture 
and, and not get distracted from the first. What's your advice on that? Yeah, I think uh, we can't give really advice because we are all different people and right. we are all managing better in some in different stuff. Uh, there's a good book. I recommend it to you. I'll send you the link. Derek Sievers, uh, Hell Yes or Hell No. Mm. Uh, kind of like a modern Marcus Aurelius and uh, the little stories that are written like LinkedIn Post. And it's great. It makes you think about, about especially like those kind of things. But in my case, um, I've always wanted to build a product of my own, but I didn't have an idea about it. So uh, now when we are working with companies, we are inside the companies, we kind of have the, the better overview of everything. And that's why we are coming up with, the, we develop something that works for the companies, works as a service, why not make it as a product? So mm -hmm. this is how, how we are going. And then from that product, we have a chance to build, I don't know, uh, multiple other products, smaller ones. Uh, and basically that, that's how I see it. I don't want to be dependent on just one um, income stream, which is clients in, in this case. Uh, but I want to do some, some other stuff. Uh, before, before COVID, I wanted to do, I don't know if we talked about it, probably yes, uh, a big event that will uh, gather marketers from all around the world and yeah. it will move from country to country and uh, like do everything except marketing. Uh, so that would be kind of another product. Uh, I still want to do uh, an e-commerce shop, a small one with funky marketing brand. So those are all ideas. We'll see what will um, become a, a real thing, uh, all depending on how the situation with, with COVID, how's business development, developing and all other stuff. Yeah, for, for me, um, my approach to that <coughs> is I, I definitely do not, because at least knowing myself, I know how hard it is to manage multiple things at the same time. Uh, and that when you're like, you're always giving up something, right? When you take on a second project or a third project, you're always giving up something. Doesn't mean that you have to give up your first business, right? Uh, mm -hmm. just, but it, you're giving out, there's an opportunity cost to everything. So it might be social life, it might be sleep, it might be Netflix, or it might be your first business. It, it, it depends, right? Uh, so for us, I think it's, so I run my company, of course, and then I run scalable services with a business partner, uh, which I own at 35%, and it's a private community for agency owners. And like doing both is hard. Like there's like during the week for me, it's hard to work on scalable services because I'm working on my company. Uh, but then the, I still want to put out 14, 15 hours a week on scalable services, which means probably working a lot of the weekends and, and doing that like after hours. Um, so one thing that I think founders should pay attention to when deciding should I focus on one business or do both is that if you're doing both and it's taking away from the first business, you're giving 80% of your time to it, uh, which means that if somebody's giving 100%, they're going to go faster than you and you have to accept that. Um, so managing both is complicated. I definitely don't see myself managing more than two things at the same time, uh, just because I cannot give good effort 
to more stuff like uh, and then we all need time to relax and recover um so it's something that like i see a lot of founders struggling with because i think like i said we're very curious individuals right like we have so many things that we want to do and it's hard to like say okay i'm going to do this for five years and that's it um so again not advice because everybody's different but what's worked for me is to try to minimize it as much as possible yeah i mean and it is different if it's a service-based business or if it's a product-based business or if it's just a shop that's right. totally something third so uh, it's it's important to know what are your capabilities to know yourself and uh, just to to find to find the real balance of the time you're investing and the outcome that you are satisfied with absolutely uh I had, there, there was there was a question last uh, last time I, I just remembered on the on LinkedIn, but it it came a bit later because you know how people are finding stuff yeah. on LinkedIn a bit later, and it is what uh, what do we think about influencers in in B two B? So right. I think it's a it's a good topic. Yeah, so I think when people talk about influencers, there's two types of influencers, right? There's internal influencers, which is kind of what we talked about. How do you build your founder, CEO, and your leadership team into influencers? Uh, so that's a big one for me. Obviously, I run a business focused on that. Uh, so turning somebody into an influencer, I think personally is the best way because then you own that influence versus having to pay for it with B2B influencers like outside. Uh, but what I'm guessing they were asking is external influencers, which is um, D2C strategy or, or technique that I think we're starting to see more B2B companies do. Um, I think the, it doesn't work as D2C where you can just pay people to like promote your stuff. Um, there might be some ways to do that. I haven't seen any to work very successfully of like just transitioning. Like it's hard to buy a LinkedIn post from someone, right? So I like, just like you would buy an Instagram post, it's hard to buy a LinkedIn post. Uh, so my opinion on how to approach B2B influencer is to collaborate more than just transaction. Uh, so collaborate in inviting them to your podcast and using them promoting it as getting influence from, from them. Uh, inviting them to have like events where you, where you can collaborate. Uh, webinars that two parties coming together and both promoting on both sides and you cross-pollinate audiences. So my opinion on B2B influencers, it's based around collaboration uh, versus paying for them. Uh, and, and you just have to be organic and transparent with that, right? Like you have to build those relationships. It's still high touch. Uh, there's not a marketplace where you can buy a B2B influencer like you would buy a D2C influencer. So it's a different approach, um, more collaborative than, than in D2C, but that can still potentially work. Yeah, and it's kind of kind of interesting. It um, it's a lot similar, like in in D two C. Um, why? Because you have referrals. I think referrals here are the the main the main thing, and kind of affiliate as well. Uh, but if you look at it, like I don't know, you are somebody who is talking a lot with uh, with CEOs talking about podcasts, doing a lot of those stuff. So um, you're probably, you're followed by specific people. 
you know, uh, and let's say you have also that you mentioned a podcast, you're doing some other entertaining stuff, some education, and you have a big following. So why wouldn't a company approach you and to ask you, depending on your target group, like, would you recommend a service for them? Right. And uh, I mean, of course, if you, if you like it, I think every marketeer or salesperson would do it if they, you know, are okay with how it works, how it does. And, you know, it's, uh, and it's kind of, this is the only part that when I see it getting tricky and this is like, people don't buy SaaS uh, products with, uh, based on which one is better. But because a lot of them are kind of similar, but it's the experience they have, which, uh, which brings you to, to buy it. And uh, like also your experience with, with a company can infect a lot if you're gonna be, let's say an influencer for them and recommend them to others or not, you know, those kind of things. But it's, it's interesting because I think this is already happening. It just we didn't name it as uh, influencers in B2B. Right. I, I think the point here is to do that without expectations, right? Uh, I, like, let's say you're an influencer that, or, or a person of influence. I don't even really want to call it influencer. Uh, a person that has an audience that we want to target. And if we can help you solve a problem, and then even if we do it for free, right? Uh, and then hopefully you'll promote it with your audience, right? If it's good enough, you will. Uh, so finding that balance between like going above and beyond for those specific people that you think can um, expand your reach and then not expecting with them to do that. For example, we had, we worked with a client where we did uh, free content for a month, right? Um, and the reason why we did that is because we knew that his network and his social reach was so big that if he posted us a couple of times and gives a shout out, we would get three, four clients. And, but we didn't ask him to do that. He eventually did that by himself. And then we got four leads right away in this week coming from that one tweet and one LinkedIn post where he said the content was created by Marty and his team at Influence Podium. Um, so that's like what an influencer is, but it didn't say that we, we didn't buy a shout out from them. We bought it by doing work for free and, and delivering and uh, being super collaborative with him. Um, so that, that's why I mean, it's less transactional, right? Because in, in D2C, like there's marketplaces where you can like filter the influencers and then it says one Instagram shout out on the story, $80, you pay and then you get the shout out. Um, with B2B, it's, it's a relationship. And if, if you provide value, hopefully they promote it to you, to their audience. Um, so it worked really well for us and this is something that we're looking to do more of. I just think people miss, like have the conception from D2C and they want to transfer it to B2B and that's not how B2B influencers work. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have. I don't know if you have anything else. If not, I think um, no, I think, I think that's, uh, that's, that's all I have. Uh, and one thing that was on my mind talking about uh, about CEOs uh, at the start and how they lead the change and, and all those other stuff. Um, 
And what I'm seeing here in, in Serbia, that's why that was on my mind, is uh, how CEOs and the founders started to like be active, uh, not CEOs and founders, not C-level executives, but CEOs and founders of the smaller companies, uh, started being active in Facebook groups. Uh, and those are groups when you cannot just post links, but you kind of ask something mm. to the group and kind of start being active. and. I'm seeing like there's a there's a huge group uh, with, I mean it's called like uh, something about entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and like a lot of people are there who are thinking about it or are entrepreneurs or are familiar with the topic, interested in it, and so they they used it kind of to kind of uh, you know try out the market, and, you know those kind of things. But it started to be like they're posting every day, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, why don't you do that on your own channel it doesn't right. have to be like okay facebook is not our channel but it can be your facebook channel your facebook group or linkedin or whatever it, or you both, will, right those people will actually react also on your post right you know? and i mean if you have time you can do you can do the group as well uh but like they're like oh ceos are busy they don't they don't have time uh, they need to manage the company I mean, that's the biggest bullshit that exists because time is something that you decide if you're going to have or no. And by deciding that you don't want to use at least one channel to communicate with your audience, with your customers, it means that you don't care. I mean, that's that's how I see it. Now, the way you're going to communicate, that's something else. Uh, if you're going to post links or you're going to share team photos or you're going to share your experience, those are just some other stuff. I would like to see more relevant people sharing experience, uh, stories, knowledge, you know, those kind of things. And it would accelerate the, not only one industry in which we are like B2B or marketing, it will accelerate all the other industries if, if they start doing like that. And yeah. uh, I don't know if that's gonna change or what's gonna be, but I don't know if you have something to add, uh, feel free. Well, I, I think, like you said, right? Uh, I used to like give the excuse of like CEOs are busy when like they would not like review the content that we sent them or something like that. And then one day I had to like realize, look, if this, it's not that he's busy, that he doesn't value enough this to give it attention, right? Um, so you, we're all busy, but we're also all not busy. If it's important to you enough, you'll do it. If it's not important, you're not going to do it. Um, so I think that's a good way to end it. But uh, we, we talked about a lot of stuff. I thought the, especially the employer branding is a very interesting topic and we really discussed it in depth. Um, so Nehemiah, I appreciate your time. We'll see each other uh, next Wednesday, 6 p.m. Europe, 12 p.m. Eastern America. And yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free to send us during the week. We'll also be covering uh, a lot of B2B sales, B2B marketing, uh, B2B funding and CEO topics next week. So always a pleasure to see you. Likewise, thank you guys for watching. I hope the stream was well because we did this on, on Zoom and restream it on uh, on other platforms. I know that maybe the the sound might be a bit late or something like that, but hopefully everything is everything is was was okay and you were able to to listen. But worry not because the episode is going out on all the podcast platforms and on youtube so 
Uh, stay with us. We'll share the links and you will be able to listen to everything. Let's go. Thanks, Amaya. See you next week. See you. Bye-bye. Thank you.